1: Mistress Carrie, weekdays 10 to 3 on WAAF. Podcasts are always online and on your schedule at WAAF.com. Bronson! Morning. How are you? I'm fantastic. Before I get into what it is that you're calling about, can I just ask, in all the years that you played professional baseball, which I believe is 17 seasons, right?
0: I played, yes. Yes seventeen in the big leagues, but I had about another five or six in the minor leagues.
1: In all those years that you were a pitcher, did you break anyone else's thumb but mine?
0: I don't think so. Maybe uh you know what? That's not true. Car I think I think I might have broke a pinky, Carlos Lee from the White Sox. Um I think he was with the Astros at the time. I, I, I ended his season in, in, in late August one year and he thanked me for the vacation.
1: <laughs> They didn't give me a vacation. They just told me to push the buttons with the other hand. (laughs) Well. Last year when I had my 20th anniversary on the air, you know, people would say, you know, what are some of the most memorable moments of your time on the air at WAF, and one of them was having a World Series winning pitcher break my thumb with a fastball in the loading dock of WAF. So you made the <laughs> cut, my friend.
0: Well, I tried to do that to Kenny Aronoff when I was recording that Covering the Bases album. Back in the day, we were up in Calabasas, and we played catch, and he always tells stories of his days. Like, I could hear the ball whizzing, and I I was only throwing it about 75 at you, Kenny. <laughs>
1: You think, oh, only seventy-five, but for somebody that has never faced a major league pitcher at the plate, seventy-five miles an hour is friggin' fast when the ball's coming at your head.
0: <laughs> I know when I when I play catch in the off season with some of my friends, I'd forget that they weren't baseball players, and we'd just be tossing it and warming up. And next thing I know, was like, oh, that one almost hit him in the face, and I haven't even let any go yet. Maybe I should maybe I should back way up and bounce one hop him to him and let him roll him back to me.
1: Are you a little bit more sensitive to hand injuries now that you spend more time playing guitar?
0: Well, I was always sensitive to that, I guess, because pitching, you need you need your fingers as well. But you never think about your catching hand. You're always thinking about your throwing hand, you know?
1: Yeah, now you got to worry about both.
0: That's true. That's true. Or... If you, if your band's good enough, then you could just not play the guitar for the night. All you need is your vocal. So that, that works too.
1: Well, I mean, that's what happened to James Hetfield back in 91 when he got set on fire from the pyro. He had just had his, his guitar tech come out and play for him.
0: That's right. And yeah, and Axel Rose, that was the night Axel Rose did him a nice favor and slammed the mic down and walked off the stage as well.
1: Yeah, that was in Montreal, right? When they caused the riot? That's right. Oh, memories. <laughs> So how are you otherwise? You're you're coming to do this whole like New England tour.
0: Yeah, we're playing, um you know, it's always fun to come back to this area and uh I got the guys from Cincinnati coming over and they they've enjoyed over the years driving over here and playing some shows. So we're yeah, we're starting to Mohegan on uh on the twelfth on Friday and making our way through Drake It on Saturday and then we're at the River Club in Situate on um Sunday, and then we're doing a little something for the Lowell Spinners on Monday. So we're just we're you know making our way through and just having a good time and trying to enjoy some good summer weather and play some music.
1: I ask this all the time, not only of of bands but of athletes as well. That I, I, and I want to get your perspective on it. You only played for the Red Sox for two years. Now, granted, you were part of the 0-4 team that broke the curse of the Bambino, but you were just a Bostonian for two years. But it never really goes away, right? Once you're kind of in the club with us, you're in forever. Is that still how you feel?
0: Yeah, I was only here for, in the big leagues, you're right, it's just a little over two years. Like I got called up in 03 from Pawtucket in, in like August after i thrown a perfect game. And uh, I, I made that playoff run in 03, um, losing to the Yankees when Aaron Boone hit that home run. which It made me feel like I was in the middle of a, a storm and I had been here for a long time. And it felt like I was here much longer because you felt like the center of the universe playing against the Yankees and just you know how legendary obviously those two seasons were but um yeah it always feels good to come back here and I think after you know winning that that first World Series I don't think anybody on that team could ever be forgotten including you know guys who were either bench players and didn't get a lot of playing time or or even you know guys who came up and just pitched from the minor leagues for a start or two and got a ring as well I mean if you were part of that that run it feels like um you're you're always welcome here in New England
1: a lot of bands feel that, too, that if they if they break here or if they just, you know, come here and, and just play great shows that they just kind of feel like this is a second home for them. So, you know, obviously your guys from Cincinnati have got to feel that a little bit, and they didn't win the World Series in 04 with you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. They, I think we started coming here in 06 when I first got traded to the Red, and we'd go play Mohegan Sun three or four nights in a row. They used to have that small little cabaret room, like 300 people, but they, they just couldn't believe how passionate the fans were. Um, you know, just to come out to the shows. And it's just a different air about it here, you know. In the Midwest and Cincinnati, it's a little bit more laid back and it's a little bit more keyed up here in New England and, and it's a little busier here in Boston. And, and uh, they just have a great time and also just kind of traveling around and grabbing craft beers from all around the region. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just a good experience.
1: Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So, obviously, you know, when, when you're playing for the Red Sox, you're a professional athlete, There's certain things – that you can get away with and certain things you just can't splurge on in Boston because you're playing and if you lose, you know, everybody's going to get pissed, but now you can come back to Boston. So what are you splurging on when you come back now, just as a musician?
0: Well, you know, I I think like, like you said, I mean, you know, people used to ask me all the time. They used to say, Hey, would you ever want to go back and play for the Red Sox? And I always say, you know, I had like two and a half really good seasons where I never got my butt kicked for a long time. And I think I'll just want to leave it that way because at least when – like you said, if you if you had some bad outings, you you would – you know, it used to change my life in a lot of ways. My friends would be in town, and let's say I was pitching against the Blue Jays, and I'd get my butt kicked early on. Let's say it was like a day game, and they'd say, hey, aren't we going to go out to a nice dinner tonight? And I'd be like, hey, I, you guys go ahead. I'm going to stay home because I don't want everybody in the place looking at me like I'm the <laughs> devil because I got my butt kicked. <laughs> and so it definitely – it definitely changed the way you moved about in your space because if you did well, you'd walk down the street, you'd walk your dog, and people would be yelling out of windows, man, you know, great game, Arroyo, but if you, if you got your butt kicked, I mean, it was a total opposite. So it, it was definitely a different experience than any place I've ever been.
1: So now can you get, like, the extra cannoli in the North End or something because you don't have to worry about it so much? Or, you know, like you talked about the craft beers and stuff. Do you, do you get to enjoy being in Boston a little bit more now?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just it's not so pressure packed. You don't feel like, you know, every day, you know, I mean, I was playing music at times and even the general manager, Theo Epstein, you know, would call me to the side sometimes and be like, hey, I saw you were up in Portland yesterday and it was all over the news and a thousand people showed up or whatever it was. And man, you know, if you pitch bad tonight against Anaheim, they're going to be all over me because of it. So, you know, there was there was always that sort of pressure off the field and also like just not having to take care of your body is really nice like you said like go down the street and grab an extra piece of pizza and not worry about it it's it's been nice to be retired and and be able to play music and or just you know hang with your friends and do whatever it is and not have to be counting calories or worried about what time you go to sleep so i can i can live a little bit of the rock and roll lifestyle if i want to stay up late sleep all day
1: with all the traveling and stuff that you do, what is it that you look forward to having when you come back here?
0: One of my—I mean, I don't, I'm not like a big foodie, so I don't think about food that much. I think um, coming back to New England, when I think about this place, I honestly think about Fenway Park first and foremost. It's just being inside that old, you know, vintage arena, um, just walking out on the grass. I was here a couple of months ago. I was teaching some Bank of America. Um, employees for a day had a throw throw in the bullpen and we were down there pitching and and, uh, Jared Saltalamaki was having them hit on the field. And just being out in there in that field, I've been out there hundreds of times, you know, but there's something about it that's very special and you can just feel it and just walking around the ballpark. I also really have enjoyed um, that hot stove cool music at the Paradise Club for all those years with, with Theo Epstein and Peter Gammons and all the local musicians, like guys like from Buffalo, Tom, that just come out, and um, that, that's what I think about when I think about Boston.
1: How does that work? You win a World Series with the Red Sox. Do you get some kind of super-secret squirrel pass that gets you into a secret door at Fenway for life? Like, you know, what, what kind of perks do you get that, that the rest of us have no idea exist?
0: Yeah, I don't know. There's nothing really official, you know. I think it depends on probably who you are, how long you played for a team, the connections you made with the people who work there, because that—that's what people don't realize is with a major league baseball team, the guys who work in the clubhouse, who put out the food and run errands for people and and um, do the laundry, those guys are there usually for a lifetime. They're there like 30 and 40 years, and so. If you're good buds with those guys, you're usually always welcome. Or if, like you said, if you win a World Series or if you spent nine years like I did with the Cincinnati Reds, it feels like home, you usually can walk into these locker rooms and you don't get any um, any beef. So usually I just call the clubhouse guys and go down there and or the security guys. You know, everyone always remembers you that works at the stadium because they're around it every single day. But there's really no, like, official path. I think um, the only thing official I have is if you played eight years in the major leagues, you get this gold card. And it's a big metal gold card, and it gives you two tickets to any Major League Baseball game you want. So you can just walk up to the will call window and slap that thing down and get a couple tickets if you want.
1: No way, really?
0: Yeah, that's really cool. You got to have eight full seasons in the Major Leagues, though. And, um, you know, I've never used it, because usually if I'm going to the ballpark, I usually would already have known the traveling secretary and would have just called him up and asked him for a couple of tickets. But I guess one of these days, I have to go to some random ballpark, maybe in Tampa or something, and and uh, just walk up to the window and see if I can use that thing.
1: Bust out the Willy Wonka gold ticket. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Does it work in reverse? I mean, now that you're on tour with the Bronson Arroyo Band, do you get calls from ballplayers going, hey, hook me up with backstage passes, Bronson?
0: (laughs) Every now and again. But backstage in our our little tour isn't such a big deal, so you're going to get us some some cold pizza. (laughs) 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 It's like, uh, but we... We have a good time. But, you know, we're playing – a lot of times we're playing small clubs, and sometimes there is no backstage, you know. I got I to gotta tear down my own equipment. We don't have any roadies. But we're, we're doing it, you know, old school, man, in the van and just uh, grinding.
1: When um, Gavin Rossdale from Bush was here a few weeks ago, and he and I were talking about my theory, and you've done two of the three, and so has he, that, you know, musicians always want to be athletes. Athletes always want to be actors. Actors always want to be musicians, You've done two of the three. Is there acting in your future now just to hit the trifecta?
0: Nah, well, I tell you what, me and Kevin Eucalys, we, we actually did a little part in a movie that probably nobody ever saw in New York a few years back, and um, I don't think so. You know, that's that's a hard job. I, I sat there and watched Vinny Pastore, who was a um, big pussy on um, on The Sopranos. I watched him do like 10 takes in this barbershop, and he was ad-libbing every time, and I thought, wow, that is unreal how smooth and easy he's making that look and me and Kevin had like two lines to say and I just felt like I was fumbling every one of them it's like I don't think I don't think is going to be in my future at all
1: <laughs> you know what could be though in all seriousness because I've heard you you know on with Hillman and you've been on my show a few times too y- you've got some rock radio chops like you should come up here someday and host a show
0: I know everybody says that to me. I'm in Cincinnati and I've got the Reds asking me to do TV or radio. And every time I do a podcast with somebody, they say, Hey man, you sure you don't want to have your own podcast? Well, I think we can, we could do this thing. But, uh, you know, honestly, it, it's fun to do it once in a while, but as you know, I mean, your, your job is a grind. Like, you got to show up. you got to be prepared. You've got to know a little bit about your your people that are coming in. And same thing when you're doing TV for, for baseball. You know, you've got to keep up with a day-to-day basis on the games. You have to know what's going on in the league. You can't just go wing it every day. And, and at this point, I've been tied to the game of baseball for such a long time. I'm just enjoying having a little bit of freedom and not having to, to remember anything except lyrics to songs.
1: Yeah, but that's the thing. In in rock radio here at AAF, you got to show up. You you really don't even have to be on time because LB never is. You you really don't even have to shower. I mean, you, you just got to come in.
0: I think that only works if you're an ex hockey player. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Bronson, your your whole tour of New England is up on the official Bronson Arroyo band page on Facebook. Yes, it is. And you guys are going to be all over the place including up in portland maine and up in laconia so the next week you're grinding it out hardcore i suggest maybe an iv bag in your future
0: yeah i know i need an iv bag and some prednisone to keep my voice in shape (laughs) because two-hour shows of singing uh stone temple pilots nirvana and pearl jam is not easy
1: is there anything that you're putting in the set now like maybe some newer stuff that you've heard maybe some newer bands that you're like oh i really like this
0: yeah, you know, I think there's a little bit of a – well, we put some, some newer stuff in there that are the old stuff. We put some Beatles in there. We put in um, a little bit of R.E.M. and and some um, David Bowie. But but uh, the Lumineers, there's some Lumineers songs in there sometimes depending on the night. The set list is different every single night, and uh, I usually do it, you know, maybe an hour before the show depending on how my voice feels and, what you know, what we felt like from the night before went well and didn't go well or – you're feeling a certain vibe that night, but the Lumineers has been a band I've listened to over the last five years, really enjoyed all, all uh, three of their records, and um, that gets in there sometimes.
1: Before I let you go, I, I got to ask you if you've talked to Big Poppy, if you've, you know, called him or reached out to him, and just how he's doing. And
0: Yeah, I've had, I've had, uh, so I've got a buddy I played with in the minor leagues with the Pirates here that's, um, uh, still in contact with his father, and so we've just been kind of keeping tabs on him from there because he's been getting inundated with a lot of people, obviously, and his um, you know Tiffany's wife I think's trying to keep people at bay a little bit just to let him rest and not have so many people on top of him so i've not tried to reach out to him directly, but through through my buddy Mario, um, you know they say he 'd move from an ICU room to a regular room and he's he's resting and doing much, much better, so hopefully we'll get in contact with him when he gets um, hopefully home. And out of the hospital, and uh, you know, we're just wishing him the best. I mean, it was a terrible situation, for, especially for a guy who, honestly, I mean, he what what you see of him on TV and what you saw of him in in the media is exactly who he was. He's just a big teddy bear. I mean, the greatest guy going. I couldn't imagine anybody would want to hurt him. So uh, we're definitely um, sending all of our love to to David Ortiz.
1: And he knows, he can feel the love coming from this city. I mean, we talked about it when you first called about how crazed the the fan base of Boston fans are. So he's got to know that that we're all sending him love, right?
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I mean, just a mere fact, I mean, how many how many athletes who've ever walked the planet would their old organization send over a private jet and get him back from, from the country and, and come land here in Boston and have a police escort to bring him to the hospital? You know what I mean? The stuff that... It doesn't happen to to, to guys who played, um, you know, any sport for a significant amount of time, unless you're just an absolute legend, which David obviously is, and he's he's made himself so beloved in this city. It's uh, you know, next to Ted Williams, it'd be hard to match anybody um, who'd be more loved in this city.
1: Well, Bronson, I appreciate you calling. You you know, you got the number. Call anytime. Next time you come through, I want to have you come up. You gotta come back and play.
0: All right, I'm gonna come back. I'm trying to. You know, I've written about 20 original songs, and I'm, I'm hoping to put them down with a with a band at some point this year. So maybe next time we come through, we can play you some Bronson Arroyo music. Well,
1: I want to world premiere it. Come on. You got to let me All do right. it.
0: All right. You've always been you're so good to me. We're definitely going to show up.
1: All right. I appreciate it, Bronson. Thank you so much for calling. And have uh, great shows. And, and maybe I'll call you and try to weasel some tickets out of you. <laughs> All right. <Thank laughs> you. Have a great day. Bye. Mistress Carrie, weekdays 10 to 3 on WAAF. Podcasts are always online and on your schedule at WAAF.com. This episode is brought to
0: you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.